Now, the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter on 1010XL. Presented by Osteen, Volvo, and Volkswagen. And Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics. From Players Grill Mandarin, here are your hosts, Ryan the Hacker Green, Leon Searcy, and Coach Campo. There's the snap. McPherson kicks it up. The 48-yard field goal is good. And the flag down. there is a flag down. I think it's I think it's against the Jags for hitting the center. My guess where that flag's wrong. The flag is down. If it's against the Jags, the game will be over. And the Bengals will have won. Unsportsmanlike conduct on the defense losing. Penalties declined. Field goal is good. The 48 yarder wins it for Cincinnati. And they have come to Jacksonville and beaten the Jaguars. 34-31 in overtime on a Monday night at Everbank Stadium. Frank Frangie on the call, Jaguars Radio, and with that, a very, well, solemn Tuesday morning, Jacksonville. It is the window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. We're brought to you by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen. Obviously not live at Players Grill, but we do love Players Grill. We'll be out there on Sunday when the Cleveland Browns and the Jaguars get after it. I'm here with head coach Dave Campo, the big fellow Leon Searcy sitting this one out. And coach, I am paid to talk into a microphone. That's literally how I make my living. The game's been over now for roughly two hours. And I'm trying to find the words to express what we saw tonight at Everbank Stadium. And the only thing I can come up with is it was a football disaster. It was a football catastrophe. You wait 12 years to get back under the lights for Monday Night Football at home, and that is what happens? It, tonight's um, tonight's tough all the way around. Fans, media alike, that was, that was terrible this evening. Well, yeah. I mean, there's no question. It was very disappointing, uh, especially on defense. Uh, you know, offensively, uh, you know, I'm not. I don't think that they necessarily had a great game. Statistically, they were okay. You know, they were 40 percent on third down. They, you know, they, they there were some things that they did uh, well, but defensively, I I'll be honest with you. You know, I I coached defense for 46 years, and I'm at a loss for words on this one. I mean, it was just one of those games that, you know, you you had to you had to get them into third and longs. We never really got them into third and longs. We we didn't win first downs very often. The bootlegs killed us. Whenever we tried to blitz them, they hit us with something, scared us out of going man coverage. You know, it, it was just one of those games that we couldn't get a balance on defense, and we missed some tackles. We we made some mistakes. Coverage-wise, because I think the crowd was so loud against their offense, it hurt us a little bit on defense as well. It was just one of those games that whoever had the ball last was going to win the game. And, you know, unfortunately, when Trevor went down, you know, they had an opportunity to, to finish it off on us. Jaguar fans, we will take your phone call, 641-1010. Keep it clean, right? I know it's the late, or late hours or, I guess, early morning hours after a football disaster today at Everbank Stadium. And, and and to me, Coach, like, you you lose the game. You you almost won it. I mean, if Anton Harrison doesn't get called for holding, by the way, a very ticky-tack holding penalty. Uh, I've seen a lot worse not be called. 
but it's almost fitting that you, you pile the loss on top of everything else. Christian Kirk gets hurt on literally the first offensive snap. You lose Trevor Lawrence, obviously. We'll talk about that. Walker Little, Foley Fadakasi, Trey Herndon. I mean, you, you lost all of these guys. Well, let's get to Trevor. I mean, he was awesome when he was in there, and he just gets his foot stepped on, his ankle stepped on by Walker Little, a freak thing. Now, we don't have any clarification on what's going on with Trevor Lawrence. I want to make that very clear. And I don't understand how social media, all of a sudden there's Twitter doctors everywhere that watch these games and diagnose people. Nobody has any idea about Trevor. Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter are the two guys that have come out and said it's an ankle sprain. They'll have more information tomorrow. Trevor apparently was in good spirits in the locker room. If this was an Aaron Rodgers-esque situation, I think we would have heard about it by now. You knew about Aaron Rodgers a couple hours after it happened. The more time that goes by, I think is better sign that maybe it's not season-ending, but he was in a walking boot in the locker room leaving, and I think best-case scenario, it's going to be a couple of weeks, just my opinion, before we see Trevor Lawrence again. Yeah, I think that uh, when he threw his helmet, that gave me an indication that he was scared. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he was in better spirits after the ball game than, uh, you know, if he was really a season ending, I don't think he would have acted the way he did at the end. I think the the x-ray to me would have shown if something was fractured. I think we would know if it was a broken ankle or my concern was a broken leg because he, he fell back on it and he got rolled up on and all that weight fell back on it. If it is just an ankle sprain, even a high ankle sprain, you're counting your blessings tonight. It could have been a lot worse. Again, we'll get definite or definitive word, I believe, tomorrow when Doug meets the media. But you just add that to the absolute ineptitude of the defense. I mean, they made Jake Browning look like a combination of Boomer Esiason and Joe Burrow out there. It was shockingly bad how awful the Jaguars were tonight on defense. Well, first of all, uh, in the first half, he was 17 for 19. That's 90%. Yeah. I've never seen a quarterback throw for 90%. I've been, I was doing it for a long time. I think they finished, he finished with like 85%. Yeah, it was 32 of 37 for 354. I've never seen that. That's why I'm kind of at a a loss for words. We, obviously, they came in with a good game plan. We didn't execute. Yeah, I mean, you know, when a when a guy gets and 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 I have to I have to say this about uh, Tyson Campbell, he did not have a good game, and I'm a firm believer if a guy doesn't practice, he doesn't play. You know, that's just my mentality because when you don't practice, and you don't practice for two or three weeks, you got to make sure they get out there enough in practice before you put him back out there. And I'm not sure he got enough practice because he had a, a rough ball game. So I think it's a combination of execution. I don't think we got a good balance on defense where, you know, we didn't we we didn't play very much man-to-man. So all the bootlegs and all that stuff, all those deep crossing routes that they hit, those are all – that's how you get them on the bootlegs. I'll tell you what I'm a firm believer in. I don't want to hear any more about playoff seating. I don't want to hear any more about the number one seed or any of that nonsense. First Monday night football game in 12 years at home, 
and you let Jake Browning making his first start on the road come in here and do that to you, can you imagine what Tua or Mahomes or Lamar Jackson would have done to that defense tonight? So any talk about Jacksonville competing with those teams right now, please set that aside for the time being because that's not reality. I'm also a firm believer in if a team shows you who they are, believe them. The Jaguars have had three opportunities at home this year in, quote, showcase games. Kansas City, San Francisco, and Monday night here against Cincinnati. And in all three instances, at home, can I say that? It's kind of late. No, I'll come up with different verbiage. They did not play well. I'll keep it I'll keep it G-rated. <laughs> well, when a team shows you who they are, believe them. This team does not step up to the plate when all eyes are on them. Yeah, we certainly have not done that. And and I have to agree with you and and usually when it's done once it's one thing, when it's done twice it's another, when it's done the third time it's a trend. So we we're uh, you know, we're not ready for prime time right now. It's very simple. Phone lines are loaded. How about you, Jacksonville, Florida, at 1.48 Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday morning? We got loaded phone lines. Let's get to you. 641-1010. The Jaguars, 34-31. Here is the way to look at it, guys, because I know people are worried about the standings. I'm much more concerned about the awful defense and about Trevor. But if you're concerned about the standings, here's the way to look at it. Tiebreakers are a glorious thing when it comes to the division. Do not concern yourself with Jacksonville being 8-4 and four and Indy being 7-5. and five. That's not factual. Jacksonville is up two games on Indianapolis because they own the tiebreaker. Similarly with Houston, Houston would have to win the rest of their division games to pass Jacksonville in a tiebreaking scenario. The way I'm rationalizing this, Coach, is this. If Jacksonville goes 3-2 and two in their last five, that gets you to 11-6. and six. That would require, at that point, Houston or Indy to win out from here on out, to go 5-0. and oh. One of those teams cannot do that because they play each other in Week 18. So I don't think you're going to – if you don't have Trevor, I don't think you're beating Cleveland. If you don't have Trevor, I don't think you're beating Baltimore. But at that point, now we're three weeks down the road. Win slash if Trevor comes back. If you beat Tampa, you beat Carolina, and you beat Tennessee, three awful teams, you finish 11-6, and six, I would put all my chips in the middle right now with that record, making then Houston or Indy have to win out in that scenario. Yeah, I think that's legitimate thinking. Uh, I don't usually go that far. I usually go with what am I going to do next week. Agreed, but, but people but, uh, are freaking uh, yeah, out on oh, Twitter. I, I, I'm sure, yeah. and, I, and I agree with you that, uh, you know, it's difficult. It'll be difficult for those other two teams to go undefeated all the way. Let's get to the phone lines. Let's go to Uli, 641-1010 on the fifth quarter. Let's get Mike in here on 1010XL. Mike, go ahead. How are we doing, fellas? Oh, Mike, we've been better, man. How are you? Uh, Likewise. I got, man, I I got a... I had something I was going to say, and then you start talking about the playoff picture. My problem is that I'm not worried about the fucking playoffs. Oh, oh sorry. no, 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 no. Let's dump that. All right. Let's, let's be clear on this, okay? 
Again, it's 1.50 in the morning. I get that. I understand libations were probably flowing down at Everbank Stadium, and I'm with you. But guys, come on. Let's keep it PG rated. You're better than that, Mike. 641-1010. Let's go to St. Augustine. Let's get Kim in here on the fifth quarter. Kim, what's going on? Hey, guys. Kim, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm mad. But <clears throat> um, two things. One is, um, you know, a year ago, two years ago, we were talking about, you know, who had what Jacksonville Jaguar jersey, you know. You know, we were just, it was it was frustrating and we were losing always. And I'm mad about this game because we had an expectation of winning. Um, and I'm, I'm concerned for Trevor, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But the other part is, um, you know, expectations. And, um, even though we're mad today, uh, you know, we're doing a hell of a lot better than we've been doing in the past. And it, it's really hard to, to change, uh, uh, and win in the NFL. Kim, appreciate the phone call. No, it is hard to win in the NFL. And the Jaguars have made a massive improvement, Coach, in two years. But I think there were so many expectations coming into tonight, and people were so fired up for Monday Night Football. And for that to happen, you want to talk about letting the air out of the balloon or just an ultimate gut punch? That's exactly what this fan base is feeling right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, uh, we have good fans here in Jacksonville, and they deserve to be ex, you know, to be happy. Uh, and we have been. I'm with the young lady from the standpoint that we we've won 14 out of the, we were 14 out of 18 the last 18 games going into this football game. So there's a lot of things to, you know, you have to look at it from the standpoint that hey, uh, the season is not over. You know, we lost a football game, and we didn't play well. But there's still games left for us to to, to have a chance to, to rectify that. Now, uh, am I upset? Absolutely. I'd have, I'm, like I said, I'm lost for words on the defense. But at the same time, you have to look at it that we got another opportunity next week. What was the message, in your opinion? Obviously, you don't know, but being a former head coach, you got a pretty good idea. Quarterback goes down, you lose – a heartbreaker and, and just all the awfulness that happened. I mean, what does Doug Peterson tell the guys on their way home tonight? Well, I, I think they, he walks in. He says, hey, I, that, that was very, really disappointing. And, you know, we, we had an opportunity to do something. We didn't get it done. So the only way I know how to do anything is to get back to the drawing board, flush it out after 24 hours, and get ready for Cleveland. And defensively, we really got to look at ourselves and, and were we 100% ready? Were we, you know, I think he had to get after the defense a little bit. Offensively, uh, we got to make plays and we have the opportunity. Ridley had a couple of opportunities to make plays. He didn't make them. Uh, you know, it really comes down to being honest, but at the same time saying, hey, the season is not over. It's time to go forward. We still have a, a, a pathway to get where we want to get. And so you got to kind of, Temper it with a little positiveness, but you really have to look at yourselves and say, hey, 
you know, we got to play better football. That 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 was the disappointing thing. Steven, DJ, George, you guys hang in there. You'll be up on the other side. It is the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. We're brought to you by Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen with the head coach, Dave Campo. I'm the hacker, Leon Searcy. We're here. With, <laughs> I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Leon Searcy is out today. It is late, guys. Almost 2 in the morning. The big fella needed a little rest. The hacker with you, Coach Dave Campo here with you. Your phone call's next. We will talk Jaguars. We will talk the loss. If we hear anything about Trevor, I doubt we will at this late hour. We're going to get more information on that tomorrow. But if we hear anything over the next hour or so, we will let you know. We can mourn together here on the fifth quarter as we roll on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter from Players Grill Mandarin. Presented by Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics and Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen on 1010XL. Dropping, looking, Trevor, fires to the back of the end zone, and that ball is caught for the touchdown after the deflection by Parker Washington. It was tipped by a Cincinnati defender. Washington caught it for the score. Frank Frangie on the call, Jaguars Radio, Parker Washington. A coming out party for Parker after the Christian Kirk injury. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you an offensive player of the game. That offensive player of the game is brought to you by our friends at Universal Roof. RJ, let's do it now. The Universal Roof offensive player of the game. Universal Roof and Contracting presents the offensive player of the game. Universal Roof and Contracting. The difference is universal. Kudos to Parker Washington, coach. Six grabs, 61 yards, and a touchdown. It's his first six catches of the year. All came tonight. Now, we hope the best for Christian Kirk. Again, we don't know about him either. Walker Little, I mean, there's a ton of injured guys. But Parker Washington certainly stepped up tonight. He did. And, you know, for a minute there, he was the only one that was catching balls, you know, and uh, getting himself open. Uh, and he also had a, a, a really nice kickoff return as well. So, uh, or punt return, I guess it was a punt return. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, he's he's got that Kirk-like slot type receiver situation and uh you know I thought he did well tonight and he put his name on the on in the books Jaguar fans you are absolutely sensational 205 in the morning and we have loaded phone lines we're also streaming tonight by the way if you're at home and can't fall asleep because you're miserable because the Jaguars just give you a shot below the belt uh, I don't blame you I'm kind of the same way feel free to watch us on YouTube you can watch us there you can also watch us on Twitter Coach Campo and myself, we're all mourning together here on this Tuesday morning after the Jaguars lose in overtime to the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's go to Mandarin, my neck of the woods. Let's get Steven in here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL. Steven, what do you got? Hey, guys. Um, two things. Watching the game live, it brought back horrifying memories of Chad Henney going down the field in the playoffs, but in this game it was an extended version of it with Browning unfortunately uh it's just a comment the question is thinking long term protecting the team I know you said don't bring up playoffs but I have to because we have a chance of getting there do you bring in a veteran to protect Trevor because I just don't think CJ can be the guy like Foles was for the Eagles years ago with Doug 
And if you bring in a veteran, who is it? Now I'm just going to throw a name out there. Last season I had read that the 49ers had a handshake deal with Philip Rivers, who's coaching high school football, I believe, in Alabama, to come in, but then Purdy turned into who he was. So do you bring in a veteran just to help out, to just kind of be there in case CJ can't carry us? That's just my question. Steven, appreciate the phone call. I actually thought CJ Beathard, under really bad circumstances, came in and played well. Um, and by the way, if Anton Harrison doesn't get called for holding, the Jaguars are winning this game with that Beathard throw. Problem is, Beathard looked like he injured his wrist a little bit. He was nursing that. I mean, every time they showed him, too, he's got his like arm elevated, so I'm waiting to see if there's an injury status on Beathard. But you're not going to find anybody in December to come in and play quarterback for you. The hay is in the barn. If Trevor's out for an extended period of time, Coach, they're they're going with C.J. Beathard. Yeah, I think the only one that maybe was available that you you really you know might look at is a guy like Joe Flacco. And they're going to play gonna, him on Sunday. We're going to play him this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I thought Beathard did fine. Uh, you know, and I don't know about his wrist. I think you have to look at it. But, uh, yeah, uh, I thought he – I mean, he had a chance. Uh, it really, if if he got out of that perimeter, he made a nice throw on that one. And we were what down to the five yard line on that or on that throw. Yeah, or they would have won the game. Holding. Yeah, they would have won the game. So you know, I think we're we're okay there. I think you have to pattern your offense. I mean, it's up to the coaches to to do what he does best. And and uh, uh, somewhere along the line, we're going to have to run the ball a little bit more than we're doing, and that might start this weekend. I've gone from depression on short yardage for the Jaguars to now it's just anger. I'm just, I just get mad. When they run it in the middle and, and they get lose a yard every time they do it, it it's, it's a cluster of errors. It's a clown show. The Jacksonville Jaguars are the worst short yardage team in the NFL. Yeah, well, the, finally they did what they should have been doing the whole year is running the quarterback sneaks yeah, but because there were a couple that's tre- it. Trevor took a shot oh, on yeah. one of those. And listen, hey, it's not uh, it, it's not a guarantee of, of anything. So we can't run the ball in the middle. We, can, we, we just can't do it. We're off tackle and outside. And when you're in a short yardage situation, those guys are penetrating. And that's when you get tackled for a loss. If you a lot of times when you try to go to the perimeter in short yardage, because those those guys are not worried about anything. They're coming full speed, and they're they're swimming guys and doing all kinds of stuff to get penetration in that situation. Let's go out to Julington Creek. Let's get DJ in here on ten ten XL. DJ, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, guys? Uh, that, my question was uh, for Coach. Um, you know, I'm sitting in the stands tonight, and uh, I, I really want to know, like, I, I, as I'm watching the game, I'm thinking, you know, like the, the the game plan that the Bengals brought against us. It looked like a a, a team that that like they we kind of looked like we were unprepared for. Almost like they had 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 developed a game plan for like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. You know, they used to throw burrows, this and that, and this and that, and they had developed a game plan against us that that we weren't ready for, and and that the the, the team just looked lost the entire time. You know, all the plays that 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 they were they were moving the ball down the field. Our defense looked lost. It just looked like a game plan that that they had developed for their backup. And we were not prepared for, and that's uh, you know that that just we just kind of look lost the entire time. 
DJ, appreciate the phone call. Did they get out coached? Yeah, well, first of all, their game plan coming in, I guarantee you, was we're gonna we're gonna establish the run if we can do it, which they did. They got uh, ahead of the chains most of the time, but their big thing was keep our offense off the field. So everything they did was bootleg crossing routes. They'd take a ten yard gain. They'd take a five yard gain. Quick passes. The screens, you saw the screens, the quick screens out to the wideouts. Yeah, why don't you give and, your thoughts on the Jaguars' defense when it comes to defending the screen, Coach? Well, first of all, we can't play a screen. Uh, you know, uh, playing a screen is just like playing a running play. There's got to be a contained man. There's got to be a guy that splits the screen, whoever the two blockers are that are blocking, and then there's a guy got to come. Everybody else has to come inside out on it. We just don't get ourselves in good position on those things a lot. So, you know, when I'm saying screens, I'm talking about the, the, the regular screen out of the backfield, but also the quick screens out to the wideouts. That was their whole game plan. Get rid of the ball. Don't give us a chance to do a lot. And we just did not get that balance on defense. We couldn't, we couldn't get them behind the chains very often. And, 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 you know, it was just one of those games that we were lost. I'll tell you right now, when they said that we got the personal foul, uh, the uh, what they call it uh, on the field goal, uh, intentional uh, personal foul, whatever yeah. it was. Oh, the, the leaping, yeah. Whatever they, they called it, uh, whatever they called it, I can't remember. But it, all I can tell you is, we had a personal foul. The defense was a personal foul the whole ball game. Well, we haven't even gotten into the fact that a guy ran in to give Evan Ingram a sip of water. And the yeah. Jaguars get a timeout charge to him for that. Uh, the reason we're not even talking about that is I think Trevor Lawrence got hurt like the very next play. Yeah, and that was another problem is, you know, when when we had to get out from backed up, we got two penalties at home. Yeah. Uh, Love off. the false start, everybody but the center. Yeah, and uh, then we get a delay a game. Yeah. So, you know, those kind of things you can't do. Let's go back to the all-pro roofing phone line, 641 Ten ten phone lines are open, Jacksonville. Let's go to the south side. Let's get Randy in here on ten ten XL. Randy, what do you got? Hey, coach and hacker, love y'all show. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. And give your opinion on Caldwell and how he calls the plays. It just it seems confusing. Randy, appreciate it. So people are going after Mike Caldwell. Tonight, tomorrow, this week is not going to be a good week for Mike Caldwell. It's a week-to-week week. Last week, the defense was very good. Two weeks ago against Tennessee, the defense was very good. Three weeks ago against San Francisco, they were awful. They reverted back to being awful again tonight. It's probably going to be a long week for Mike Caldwell. Yeah, I think he's going to take a little criticism. I, you know, And again, uh, I think some of it's execution, some of it's you know, we didn't play enough man-to-man. Uh, you know, you have to somewhere along the line say, these guys are going to dink and dunk us against the zones. We're missing tackles. We better start locking up on some guys and see if we can slow it down. I think we got scared out of that a little bit because when we blitzed, they ran a screen. Uh, you know, I mean, there's just some things that they had a soft balance. So you have to say that they did a good a good job offensively. Uh Really, nobody's really said that that they have Jamar Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. That's a pretty good group of receivers. A great I'm group. Not sure, I'm not sure we faced 
those kind of guys with anybody other than San Francisco. And we got our butt kicked in both of those situations. So some of it is personnel not executing as well as the, the calls by the, by the coaching staff. RJ, let's call an audible. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we give you a defensive player of the game. That defensive player of the game is brought to you by our friends at Superior Fence and Rail, and let's do it right now. The Superior Fence and Rail defensive player of the game. Jacksonville's building a fence along the goal line. This is the Superior Fence and Rail defensive player of the game. Superior Fence and Rail, where quality matters. We got a job to do here, Coach. Somebody's got to be the defensive player of the game. Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, a sack and a half, an interception. Josh Allen played his tail off tonight, getting essentially no help from anybody else on the D-line. <laughs> so, it's just like normal. Josh Allen's the only guy we got that can get to the opposing quarterback. Uh, an occasional glimpse of Trayvon Walker, occasional glimpse. Uh, but Josh Allen, clearly the defensive player of the game. Yeah, uh, Josh uh, is playing really well. Uh, and, again, I have to rewatch the tape to see how we did as against the run, but I thought he played that well as, you know, that as well. Uh, you know, he's, he's only one and a half sacks away from the top sacker in – Jaguar history. Yeah, I think Calais has the record at 14 and a half, right? Yeah, I think he's close. I think he gets uh, 15 here in, a, in one and a half sacks. He should, if he doesn't break the record, it would be a disappointment right yeah, now. Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, I think he's making himself some money because I really think he's legitimately one of the better uh, pass rushers in the league right now. Jacksonville, if you're on the phone lines, we will get to you. That's you, Justin. That's you, Matt. The rest of you guys. Hang in there. If you want to get in, there is room for you at 641-1010. We're with you for about another 45 minutes. Give it up for Coach Campo. The guy has three Super Bowl rings. The guy coached for 46-some-odd years, and he's here with you at 2.15 in the morning to talk about whatever on earth that was at Everbank Stadium. Coach, you're the man. We appreciate you tonight. More to do. Fifth quarter rolls on. 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Putting an extra 60 minutes on the clock. The window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. From Players Grill Mandarin. Presented by Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen. And Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. They throw what could be a double pass. This is Boyd. Now he wants to throw it back. And the ball's picked off by the Jaguars. Josh Allen. Has he done enough this year yet? He picked off the double pass and ran it back inside the 10-yard line of the Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. How good is that from Josh Allen? Frank Frangie on the call, Jaguars radio. Boy, at that point, you thought, all right, they're going to win this thing. Nope. Nope. That was the one defensive play of the game. Everything else was absolutely owned by the Cincinnati offense. Jake Browning, um, first career start on the road in the NFL. 32 of 37, 354 yards, a quarterback rating of 116. Good heavens. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you a play of the game. That play of the game is brought to you by our friends at Performance Painting. RJ, let's do it now. The Performance Painting play of the game. Now the Performance Painting high performance play of the game. Performance Painting. Prepare, protect, preserve. 
Josh Allen's interception gets an honorable mention, but I think, Coach, you and I are in agreement. Parker Washington, that touchdown in the back of the end zone. What a grab by the sixth-round rookie out of Penn State. Parker Washington's touchdown catch is your performance painting play of the game. Yeah, I, there's no question that was a big play. Uh, you know, it got us back. Uh, that was the one that got us tied, right? At that yeah, I got uh, 21 apiece. 21, yeah. Uh, you know, got us back in it, and it was an excellent play. Back to the phone lines we go, 641-1010. If you're on the phone lines, we will get to you. Let's go down to Green Cove Springs, get Justin in here on 1010XL. Justin, what's going on? Hey, gentlemen. Hey, Justin, how are I you? Say at slab. I'm at the slab every home game. I went to Indianapolis. I went to New Orleans. I just, it is so hard to deal with all the people running their mouth as pack you're aware as many people give you a hard time on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. It is so hard to go on games every week that we have them and get embarrassed. But when we go away, we we do our job. It is really hard to keep going to this, this field. And then they put on this show, especially in front of everyone, and we have nothing to show for it. But when we go anywhere else, they run their mouth. And we have nothing to nothing to back it up. And I'm I'm just it's so hard to keep doing it week in and week out. But we keep doing it. Something's gotta stop with this. Justin, appreciate the phone call. Uh you can see the frustration or hear the frustration in Justin's voice. I like a good Twitter debate coach. I'm not sure if you know that about me. I like a good back and forth, a little give and take. It's fun. Um six and zero away from Everbank Stadium. Two and four in Everbank Stadium. Can you explain that? No, uh, I can't explain it. I mean, uh, some of it is who they're playing against. Some of it is uh, maybe that they bond together a little bit more when they. You know, I even said after uh, you know a couple of losses, maybe we ought to go to the hotel with everybody the night before the game here, so that they're thinking just strictly thinking football. You know, and that's what happens when you go on the road. I've never seen a team that that goes on the road and is is six and zero, and, and at home they're two and four, or whatever it is. Well, and, and those four losses, the defense has embarrassed themselves in three of those four games: right. Houston, San Francisco, and Cincinnati. Right? They weren't bad. They weren't below average. They were embarrassing. Right? Awful. And and. and they're going to say the right things in the press conferences. They're going to look at the tape and the 24-hour the rule, and that's fine, and that's factual. But we're talking to the fans, the fans that are awake at 227 right now in the morning, and they don't want to hear that. They want to know why this defense is embarrassing themselves every home game. Well, first of all, let's uh, you said it earlier. You know, sometimes what you put on tape is who you are. Yeah, when a team shows and, you who they are, believe them. Yeah, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, what's the, what's the thing about all those – Three of those games, they've got good receivers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the quarterback had a hot hand. You know, there's not a lot of difference between that kid and Purdy. You know, Purdy gets the ball to his playmakers. This guy got the ball to his playmaker. Chase had uh, nine catches for 140 yards. Now, he got it to some other people, too, but they had a pretty good receiver core. So maybe our defense, uh, maybe we, we, maybe we just. We've been bent but not breaking 
against not as good receivers. Well, when you play against a good one, every once in a while you have to go man-to-man, and and uh, Tyson Campbell found out that Chase is the real deal. So, you know, we have to look at that and say, hey, some of it is a bad day, but some of it is that's who we are. We've got to find a way to change up enough to get some balance and make sure we don't get in that situation. I want to ask you about Tyson Campbell in a moment. Before we get there, let's go down to St. John's County. Let's get Matt in here on 1010XL in the fifth quarter. Matt, what do you got? Hey, guys. How you doing tonight? Hey, Matt. How are you, bud? Great. Um, well, not really. But real quick, I wanted to give a shout-out to my friends Josh and Jason. Thanks for getting me home safe tonight. And, you know, I think for me, not like a rant, but it's more about grieving, right? Almost. At the beginning of the year, we're talking about a two-deep team and that has potential to go so far, and we lose Trevor Lawrence. And being at the bank tonight and seeing him and his reaction, and if his reaction is indicative of the severity of the injury, I don't know if we're going to get him back. And what can we do with CJ moving forward? Are we going to go try to get somebody off the couch like Matt Ryan or uh, Colt McCoy or bring back Nick Foles? I don't, I, I, what do you guys think? Matt, appreciate it. Again, for Trevor Lawrence, we don't have any definitive word. He was in a walking boot in the locker room, but he appeared to be in good spirits in the locker room from indications of people that were there. X-rays were, I guess, negative because the initial diagnosis, at least Adam Schefter is reporting, a sprained ankle. I would imagine that's going to turn into a high ankle. I can't, I can't imagine it's not a high ankle. We don't know that until tomorrow. But I don't believe it's season ending because I think we would have found that out by now. It happened four some odd hours ago. And when it's season ending like Aaron Rodgers or when it's a, a bad one like that, you tend to learn those things pretty quick. And we haven't gotten any word about that yet. I think we got to give uh, C.J. Beathard a chance. I agree. You know, to be honest with you, the guy has been around, and there's, you know, I think our quarterback coaches are, are pretty darn good, and I think that their evaluation has been that Bethard is a guy in a, in, a, in a limited role when you're not asking him to be Trevor Lawrence that, that you can develop a, a, a game plan that allows him to do what he does best. And I, and I think – I don't know that you're going to get anybody off the couch. Not Colt McCoy. I can guarantee you that. The guy, we got Colt McCoy right here in Bethard. Yeah, you're not going to get a better option than Bethard because he knows yeah. the offense. He's been with Peterson for almost two years now. Bethard is your best option moving forward. Yeah. Unless, Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think there's any question there. Unless you can convince Tom Brady to come here, which yeah, well, is probably yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and look, uh, we don't know, again, the severity of Lawrence, but can Beathard find a way to win one or two games here in the next month? And then maybe, I'm just spitballing here, maybe four weeks goes by if it's a high ankle and Trevor can come back for the playoffs. Hey, somewhere along the line, the rest of the guys have got to step up. Agreed. There's no it's doubt. Not, it's not just on Beathard, but uh, Beathard is an experienced guy, like I said, and he knows the offense, like you said, and they have confidence in him, you know, or else they would have brought somebody else in. Well, and look, Cincinnati won a game with Jake Browning tonight, all right? 
I mean, look at all the starting quarterbacks that are out. Pittsburgh's going to have to figure out a way to win with Mitch Trubisky. Cleveland's trying to figure out a way to win with Joe Flacco and Walker and all the guys they have. I mean, it is a just a mosh pit of injuries. Yeah, mass unit in the AFC. Let's go to the south side. Let's get John in here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL. John, what's going on? Hey, so I was taking a look at the 2022 draft because we need a defensive end in that draft, and we took Trayvon Walker number one. There were five defensive ends taken that draft. He has the least amount of sacks as all of them this year. And if you go down, you have George Karloftis at 30 has eight sacks. So we're trying to figure out why. And I believe it's because in short, he ran a 4-5-40. He didn't do it in college on the field. All the other guys like Vermeer Johnson did. And to me, it's not that hard to find a guy running a 4-5 in shorts. I mean, to me, it's like, you need a pinky, I'll find you a pinky. But we need production. He's never had production hacks. That's just my rant. John, appreciate the rant, and you're not wrong. Um, you know, again, week-to-week league, Walker was pretty good last week. Walker had about one or two plays where he stood out tonight. He's not affecting the opposing quarterback. And the Jaguars, whether they tried to or not, and that's that's the MO, they tried to. Okay, well, they didn't bring in anybody this offseason or at the trade deadline. So whether they did not want to bring somebody in because that signifies they missed on the Walker pick is for you to decide and for me to simply throw out there and you do with it what you will. But that looks right now, almost two years in, that does not look like a good pick. Well, yeah. I mean, he's not doing what you want your number one draft pick to do, and especially if he's supposed to be a, a rushing and passer. Can he be a player uh, that helps you win a lot of games? I think if he goes inside, I've said it from the day I got here. You're either in a four, he's either a four-three defensive end, where all he does is put his hand on the ground and play, or he's inside in a three-four or something where he's he's got a chance to to rush on guards because he's not nifty enough on the outside right now. Let's talk about his former Georgia teammate. Did Tyson Campbell, in your opinion, struggle as much as it looked like? Yeah, he did. I mean, he had a rough ball game tonight. And, and I think, you know, I'm a firm believer if you don't practice, you don't play. And, you know, when you're out for a certain period of time and then you come back in, there's an adjustment period, the speed of the game. If you're not getting enough practice time, I don't know how much practice he was limited during the week. Well, I don't know what limited means when they say limited. You know, did he, did he just practice one day? Did he just go through – you, you're normally going to go through four, four or five plays and then sit down for a while. And get, he, he he wasn't ready, in my opinion. It was a bad night for Tyson Campbell. Let's go down to Key West. Let's get Dave in here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL. Dave, what's going on? Hey, guys. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, well, my initial, you know, well, not rant, but I just wanted to talk about, well, why can't we win at home? I know you guys already discussed that. But, you know, we can talk about it more if you want. But also, I was like, what? It just like, you know, I, you know, I know we lost the quarterback tonight. I know we lost. But we're still, I think the arrow is pointing up for this team. And I want us to like, you know, it is a week-to-week league. I think, you know, maybe we can still hold our head high a little bit. And, you know, I think, you know, we're sitting better now than we did, say, a year or two, even two years ago. Two years ago, we're, you know, like we're talking draft now. So, I mean – 
I'd just like to say, you know, thank you guys for being on the radio at this late of the hour, and let's go Jags. Dave, appreciate it. Appreciate the positivity there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And let me just say this, okay? I was in the league for 23 years. I've seen this happen many, many times. I think the thing that you got to – there was a lot of Kool-Aid being drunk around here from the beginning of this year, before the season started from us media guys. And the one thing I said, I said, guys, we were 9-8 and eight last year. It isn't, you know – it's expectations. If if we hadn't gone to the playoffs last year, if we had lost to the Titans in the last ball game, what would we have said about this team? If we were eight and four, we'd be ecstatic right now. But the expectations have been put so high on this team that it's frustrating. And it's frustrating to me. It's frustrating to to you, Hack. You know, but at the same time. The season's not over. We're eight and four. Let's worry about what's going to happen next week. It's a 24-hour rule. Be frustrated. I'm frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. But that positivity that he said right there, you know, we've suffered through some, you guys out there, more than me because I was gone. I, I just got back here three years ago. You guys have suffered through some crappy seasons. This is not a crappy season at this point. Now, if we go in there and we lose five in a row, then it's a different story. But I'm telling you that it's a week-to-week league, and I expect us to come back out and play well this next week. Let's get one more phone call in tonight. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. It's 2.40 in the morning here on the East Coast. Let's go to the state of Oklahoma. Let's get Alex in here on 1010XL. Alex, what's going on? Hi, guys. What's up? How are you? Oh, um, I wish I could say I was doing good, but uh, after that game, probably not. <laughs> I hear you. We're all well, in the same boat there. Well, my thing was, I just wanted to point this out because it's a kind of a trend I've noticed with this Doug Peterson team, really. And they're not prepared for primetime games. I mean, you look at the Titans game. The Titans came out there. They came out with a very effective game plan. They were doing good things in the first half, and we were just sluggish. Like, it took us sort of like the second half to finally start clicking. And, you know, we had to win by that miracle Josh Allen fumble return for a touchdown against the Titans. And then you had that Chargers game, you know. They went down 27 nothing in the first half. And, you know, you had to come back and win that game. And then, you know, you got this Monday night football game right in front of you. And the defense just didn't even show up to play. So, you know, I have nothing against Doug Peterson, but they need to find a way to, you know, get this team prepared for primetime games. Because if they want to be an elite team, they got to know how to play underneath the lights. And I'll take your response out there. Alex, thank you for the call. In fairness, Doug also has wins on the road at New York last year and at New Orleans earlier this year in primetime games. But there's no doubt, Tennessee last year, the Chargers last year, and certainly tonight, they have not gotten off to great starts. Well, we're not an elite team, guys. I mean, we're a good team that didn't play well today. But we're not elite. I think this team is a year away. But, again, I've said that over and over. But my biggest thing is that I've seen it happen where 
you get a little bit inconsistent. You know, you play well one week, you don't play well the next week. The elite teams play well every week. And so uh, it still comes down to when you line up, it's matchups. Do you win your plays when you have an opportunity to make them? We did not do that tonight on defense. We had opportunities to make some plays. We didn't make them. Chase made two or three catches that we could have, we were an inch away from knocking them away. We didn't make the plays. He's better than our guy in that situation. That's how the NFL works. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you a drive of the game. That drive of the game is brought to you by our friends at Tire Outlet. RJ, let's do it now. The Tire Outlet drive of the game. Now, the Tire Outlet drive of the game. Tire Outlet, wholesale prices, premium service. Trailing 21-14, the Jaguars got the ball at their own 16-yard line. 12 plays, 84 yards, 6 minutes, 24 seconds. Off the clock, Trevor Lawrence to Parker Washington for his first NFL touchdown. That tied the ball game at 21 apiece. That is tonight's tire outlet drive of the game. We'll come back. We'll put a wrap on what was, um, well, quite frankly, a football disaster at Everbank Stadium tonight. And we'll preview what lies ahead going to Cleveland. Is it going to be C.J. Beathard versus Joe Flacco? Who would have thought that a week ago? That appears to be the case going into Cleveland on Sunday with the head coach, Dave Campo. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. One segment to go, 1010XL, 92.5 FM. This is the window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter from Players Grill Mandarin, presented by Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Trevor drives it to Blitz. They throw it out to the left side. That's caught by Evan Ingram inside the 20. Along the far side, left 10 to the 5. Dies for the end zone. Touchdown! Evan Ingram into the touch, into the end zone for the first time this year. A 22-yarder. And Jacksonville has taken the lead. The personal injury attorneys of Farah and Farah present this injury update. Farah and Farah. Jacksonville. Exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Farrah and Farrah injury update, unfortunately, is the longest one of the year, and it's not even close. The big one, Trevor Lawrence. We'll see what happens. We'll get more information when Doug Peterson meets the media tomorrow. Initial thought was that it was obviously very bad. He did not come back into the game. However, Adam Schefter, among others, are saying initial diagnosis is a sprained ankle. Uh, Will that turn into a high ankle? Who knows? But, again, if, if it's a sprained ankle and, and nothing more, even a high ankle, I think you count your blessings on the way it looked. But we'll see what happens. He was in a boot in the locker room after the game. Christian Kirk had a groin. Walker Little, a hamstring. Trey Herndon in concussion protocol. Foley Fadakasi with an ankle. I mean, Coach, it was it was bad injury-wise tonight. Yeah, this was a tough game. I mean, uh, for us, you know, you know, we didn't play well and we got – People banged up. All right. The NFL schedule, last time I checked, is not going to stop, right? They're not going to care about the Jaguar injury problems. Jaguars have to go to Cleveland. Cleveland's certainly not going to care. They've been without Deshaun Watson for a month. Uh, looks like Joe Flacco, although their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, was not committal on that at his press conference earlier uh, today. Your thoughts on how the Jaguars possibly try to get over this 
and go play a desperate Browns team who's coming in off a loss as well. Yeah, uh, you know, I think you you flush it. You know, you got you, you got a shorter week, so you have to get yourself ready to go by Wednesday. You know, you got to be ready to to get uh, moving. And guys, let me just uh, I, I want to end this because I think we have great fans here in Jacksonville, and I appreciate the fact that you guys have been on the phone uh, with us and listening and watching whatever. You have every right to be frustrated. But again, let me just say that it's, you know, this weekend, when, uh, tomorrow morning, when I get up, I'm going to watch the tape again, and then I'm going to get ready for watching Cleveland. That's what you have to do in the NFL, and that's what we're going to do, I'm sure. Coach, you're the man for being up at this late hour. Go get some rest. I'll talk to you tomorrow night on Hacker After Dark. You got it. For the head coach, Dave Campo, R.J. Saunders has been your producer tonight. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Thank you guys for staying up late with us. It has been the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. We've been brought to you by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen. Go take a three-hour nap. Jeff Prosser will be in this studio in 180 minutes, and we will begin 18 hours of local programming here on your home of the Jacksonville Jaguars, 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hopefully, we get some good news about Trevor Lawrence tomorrow. We will wait and see. Have an absolutely terrific Tuesday morning, Jacksonville. We'll talk to you in a couple hours. Nobody of it is Joe.